0: This is the Data Privacy Detective. Today, we're gonna talk about restaurants and privacy. What do they have to do with each other? And the answer is a lot. And we're gonna explore this with uh, an ideal guest, Mr. Brennan Duckett. Brennan, thank you for joining us today.
1: Of course. Thanks so much, Joe, for for having me. Excited
0: for the conversation today. Well, now, Brennan, you're the Director of Technology and Information Policy at the National Restaurant Association, and that's uh, the leading United States Association that deals uh, with restaurants. Tell us a little bit about it, and what's, what's your role in the field of privacy?
1: Yeah, thanks, Joe. And um, I'll just uh, say, not that this bothers me, um, but so uh, Director of Technology and Innovation Policy is the technical term for it, although it's you know not uh, too, too dissimilar. Um, so, so uh, I would say, you know, first of all, um, the National Restaurant Association, um, you know, is a is a trade association located here in DC. Uh, as some folks I'm sure listening know, there's uh, basically a trade association for everything under the sun uh, here in DC. But um, the National Restaurant Association is is the leading business association for uh, res- the restaurant and food service industry, uh, and we represent both national chains as well as small independent restaurants all across. Uh, the country.
0: You must have thousands of members from the, the very small to the very big.
1: Yes, that's that's uh, exactly right. So um, you know when we say we represent the the whole industry, um, we we really we really do do mean it. Um, and in,
0: in your position, you know, I, let me guess, you're really the lead advocate, are you, for the interests of restaurant owners?
1: Yeah, and so um, you know the way our team kind of works is that we have um, not only policy experts, which um, you know is what I qualify as, but we then also have um, sort of a a Capitol Hill um, operation with a couple of full time lobbyists. I'm I'm a registered lobbyist, um, but again, I in my current role I kind of work a little bit more uh, on the back end and and membership facing end of things um, with sort of interpreting and analyzing. Um, you know, bills both at the federal and the state level, um, and, and you know their their implications uh, upon upon restaurant businesses.
0: Right now, we're gonna, we're talking uh, June 9th, twenty twenty two, and a lot's been happening. We're going to get around to this in the uh, federal government and uh, is thinking about. Really, for the first time, a kind of national data privacy law. Many countries have them. We don't. We do sectoral things. Uh, we're all familiar with the health, the uh, HIPAA, it's called, and and the financial industry has this. But there's no one overarching piece. We're going to talk about that. But when you're when you're talking with, uh, uh, with with people in the Congress, both sides of the aisle. Uh, what do you what, what do you what are the real interests of of the restaurant industry on this really important issue of privacy and data protection?
1: yeah, it's a it's a great question, Joe. um so you know I, i'd first uh, and foremost, you know, start out with with saying that um and you kind of mentioned it with with the new bill that was just um, sort of uh, introduced informally last week. um but you know our first first and foremost we we advocate for. Um, you know a national uniform uh, standard uh, that's that's you know preemptive of the now uh, you know five states that have their own comprehensive data privacy laws. Now, for uh,
0: those who aren't lawyers, you use the word preemptive. What you mean by that? Then the national law would be the law, and the states couldn't really change it or change it much. Is that what you mean by preemptive? Precisely. Okay, precisely. and you, you want one because. Uh, you know i I mean I live in a tri-state area why should it be different in Kentucky than Ohio? that's kind of what you got have one law people understand
1: that, that that's exactly right and and I think with the laws on the books right now you could say the same exact thing about Colorado and Utah like you know the fact that Utah consumers and Colorado consumers have a different regime not only is is um, confusing for and hard to you know comply with for businesses but Uh, We also believe that American consumers should all, you know, enjoy and understand, you know, their rights and, um, you know, and and have, uh, again, a uniform standard to work with in in all 50 states.
0: When you think about restaurants, uh, now we're going to start using some data privacy terms restaurants can be controllers and they can also be processors and they, or they can certainly and they have to use processors talk to us a little bit about that how how the industry is thinking about you know what are the responsibilities and the potential liabilities of uh, being a controller of data, someone who collects data about people who come into the restaurant, pay their bill, and so on, and and processors who are dealing with uh, data constantly. How do you think about that, and wh- what do you tell people in Congress?
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's another great question, and you know, I think uh, at the outset, I'd say that. Um, you know restaurants as you as you kind of alluded to uh, restaurants can can act as both a controller a data controller and a data processor you know when we're looking under the guise of um, you know the state laws um, that that are currently uh, in place um, you know I think at, at the you know our, our sort of main point uh, in this space is that um, we believe that that all players in the digital ecosystem should have some, form of statutory obligations, especially when it comes to a federal uh, data privacy law. Um, You know, I think the majority of the time, um, the restaurant would be considered, um, you know, the controller, uh, certainly when customers dine in, uh, you know, on the the actual premise of the restaurant, um, you know, when we take orders, facilitate payments, uh, providing discounts to customers who are, you know, loyalty program members, um, you know, uh, there's there's certainly the in-store aspect of, of controlling data. And then, um, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of restaurants had to shift their business models to, um, you know, allow for uh, deliveries and working with uh, third-party delivery platforms. Um, You're talking you know,
0: uh, like groups with DoorDash or
1: Toast or, you know, outside group that helps a restaurant deliver food. That's that's exactly right. and And, you know, they were, you know, partnering with them um certainly was was very helpful to the industry um you know, to survive the pandemic as 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 you and many of the listeners probably know, the restaurant industry was was hit the hardest um you know during throughout the pandemic when it was when it's at its at its height. Um, so we you know we again, and you know as as data controllers, we do work with a lot of uh, downstream business partners that are that you know would be considered service providers or third parties or, or processors, whatever, whatever term you want to use, you know, under a specific piece of legislation. But, um, you know, I think it's key to remember too, that, um, the controller processor line becomes, can become blurry, um, you know, when it, when, within the, the restaurant context, because, um, you know, whenever you go make a reservation, uh, today on online, you go to open table, you go to resi. Um, you know, that, that organization, you know, under some circumstances would be considered the data controller. And then, you know, they work with the restaurants to make sure that your reservation is indeed taken with your contact information. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, while restaurants can act as both controllers and processors, we really think it's, it's super important that, um, you know, there are statutory obligations in place. for for all players uh, in the digital ecosystem. Uh, And and the the reason I say that is because, you know, our members tell us that these obligations are super important in the contractual negotiations, um, you know, between restaurants and their their downstream business partners, um, because, you know, creating these statutory requirements um, that service providers, you know, must meet or otherwise would be in violation of the law, you know, it helps to get those terms sort of automatically included in the contractual negotiations, especially when you're a small, you know, independent mom and pop local restaurant that really has, you know, next to no uh, market power in terms of negotiating contracts with, with those sort of third party delivery platforms like the, the DoorDashes and Uber Eats of the world.
0: Right. And if I may, we've certainly seen across sectors an explosion of data sharing agreements. And that's what you're talking about. And, and the controllers and the processors all have their own forms. And, and so so you're saying it really would be helpful to both and certainly to restaurants to have the basic rules in place nationally.
1: That's correct. Exactly okay,
0: right. And that was simplify and help people understand. And as you say, a restaurant can be a controller or a processor. And so as you approach this, uh, should the rules about
1: controllers and processors be the same or a little different? You know, I think that that's another good question. You know, what I would say is that most of the time, I think restaurants are going to be considered controllers. And and that is because we are sort of one of those consumer facing industries that, that touch Consumers, you know, on a on a day day to day basis, and so we recognize that we have responsibilities to consumers to um, to protect their data, and uh, you know, again, I think the general concept of consumers having rights that empower them to control their own data is also, you know, a, a, a very beneficial for for you know the American economy um, and and sort of you know individuals' everyday lives. Um, but you know, I think the key to remember is that you know we have um, a ton of service providers and third parties that we work with downstream, and we really just, at the end of the day, w- restaurants and other consumer-facing um, entities should not be held liable, even though we're the consumer-facing ones that are seen first. You know, we should not be held liable for you know violations of certain privacy laws. Um, that were committed by our downstream business partners, and really, at the end of the day, that's all we want, right? We want to just m- recognize that there's a liability share there, um, and that um, you know, again, we, that restaurants and, and other consumer-facing industries should not be the ones, you know, being forced to to hold the bag, um, so to speak, when it comes um, when it comes to protecting consumer data, and then, you know, the potential violations of, of businesses.
0: Right. This is the private right of action question. We're going to get to that a little later. But yep. you mentioned loyalty uh, programs. We're all familiar with them. You know, you buy 10 of these and you get a free one the next time, and whatever it may be, or a discount or a free birthday cake on your birthday, whatever it may be. Yep. Loyalty yep. programs. And we've already seen that the, the, the five states you mentioned, they've approached this differently. California has a uh, Right to non-retaliation for opting out of data collection, but it doesn't prohibit a business from offering loyalty uh, programs, this sort of thing. We've got Virginia, Colorado, and Utah to specifically deal, have language about loyalty programs. Is that an important one for the industry to have a, a national
1: standard about this question? It very much is. Uh, loyalty programs are a uh, an ever-growing and um, critical component of, of the restaurant industry. Um, You know, it's, it's, as you mentioned, it's, it's signing up to receive, you know, those discounts to receive, um, you know, a free dessert on, on your birthday. Um, And that's, you know, I think that the key thing to remember about loyalty programs is that is a sort of an already, um, you know, that, that agreement, you know, for lack of a better term between a restaurant and a consumer. That, that agreement has been reached, and they have already sort of opted in to to sharing the data that they need to with the restaurant to provide them with the you know the discounts, the the benefits, um, you know, the free desserts, what have you, um, you know, to them that they already enjoy today. And you know what I would say about the the state laws that are on the books, you know, I think that most of the states. Um, Got the loyalty program language right. Um, most of them are set up around that anti-discriminatory um, sort of, you know, uh, language. But um, I, I, now, I and on that, just so we,
0: we understand what you're saying, so uh, you, you agree with the non uh, non-discrimination
1: part of this. That if I, I don't want to participate, I shouldn't be penalized in any way. That's exactly right. And we we fully respect that. Um, and but but so uh, you know, it's key that you know when they say that you know a, a business can't offer discounts to um to consumers, you know, uh, that was a, an overly broad um, sort of, I think, assumption to make. So we appreciated when states like Virginia, Colorado, Utah, and Connecticut included that that savings clause around um, you know, a bona fide loyalty program being exempted from sort of the, the, the rules that are outlined in these certain laws. Um, you know, we, we very much uh, supported that model. And, and you know, one, one thing- And you, I and you would, if I may, you would want that without the financial incentive requirement. That's right? what I was just about to, to get yeah, to. Sir. So I think, no, no, you're good. I think um, California, that was obviously the, the first state, right? And there was a huge battle um, over, over loyalty program language when UCPA right. was first being drafted. Um, And so, yes, we um, do not sort of think that the CCPA specific loyalty program language is productive because they have um, what's called that financial incentive requirement, which, you know, for for a a very simplified terms, basically would require business to calculate, um, you know, to a a dollar and cents um, sort of number what each piece of data that is provided to us is worth. And you know, I think there's all sorts of anti-competitive um, issues with with you know putting that kind of of um, internal thought processing you know out into the open. Uh, it's very just hard for businesses to to just arrive at a number. Um, so there are there are a lot more compliance um, concerns with the CCPA um specific language around loyalty programs which is why we're much more supportive of the other four states and how they kind of did it i believe they have um, pretty much identical language around protecting
0: right so programs. congress would have uh, four out of five anyway <laughs> where where you would favor how they came out let's talk about the private right of action a bit now nobody wants to get sued and we all know that Uh, When there's a data hack, there could be a number of parties who are target defendants by a plaintiff's lawyer, the processor, the controller, you know, because they don't know starting out, well, how did this happen? But I would guess that restaurants would be quite concerned that if a processor really was the... uh, uh, not them, but the processor caused a data hack. They don't want to get sued for that and have to pay lawyers to defend themselves. So, uh, is that part of what you're expressing to Congress? Be careful about what you create.
1: Yes. Yeah. The enforcement mechanism is is super key. Um, and you know, the, the, our concerns with a private right of action, you know, aren't just limited to the data privacy space. Um, you know, what we've seen in, in other areas like. Um, the, uh, you know the ADA and, um, and, and patents, what we've seen is that even a limited private right of action um, you know enables the, the trial bar and, and plaintiffs, plaintiff lawyers um, to really, um, you know, we, we call it trolling, right? Where they um, you know get a big class action suit together um, and you know send demand letters to businesses. Um, for violations that they may or may not have committed, and you know those businesses that are at the top of the list are almost always the consumer-facing businesses that you know again consumers interact with on a day-to-day basis.
0: Right, it's way. often cheaper to settle and to you know win in defense. That's
1: that is exactly right.
0: And, and that's- for a smaller company, I have a smaller restaurant that could that could wipe out their profit margin. I would
1: completely. Um, yeah, it's you know the the, the larger chains, um, you know they they're the ones that that are are able to afford to to settle. Um, but you know when it, when a private right of action is is levied against a small business, you know oftentimes that can just just put them put them right under. Um, so you know we we very much prefer. Um, you know, when it comes to the states, having enforcement lie solely with um, the state attorney's general office. Uh, and then, you know, from a federal perspective, um, you know, we uh, the primary source of, of enforcement. We you know, we would much prefer it to be um, the FTC, um, you know, and again, uh, having a priority of action is just, uh, you know, a, a disaster. Um, for 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 all consumer-facing businesses, uh, including- F- like,
0: FTC being the Federal Trade Commission. And uh, if it has the power to enforce something, it could also have the power to, to do right when there are egregious cases. So exactly. that runs a lot of people rushing to court understand the industry's position. Well, let's turn to this as we head for home today in this podcast, the three corners bill. Now, we're- taping this in June of twenty twenty two and we now have a bill that appears to have bipartisan support. It's called the three quarters bill and And from the standpoint of the uh, the restaurant uh, business, uh, what are the big issues?
1: Yeah, so you know, I would say at, at the very outset, we were um you know as, as I alluded to earlier in the in the podcast, um you know we are supportive of of Congress. Finding a you know a bipartisan federal you know solution to to for data privacy to give you know businesses and consumers you know one uniform standard. So when we first heard about it, we were like, oh great, like you know let's let's see um, you know what what is inside the bill because you know at the end of the day, this is kind of what we we advocate for. But once we um, you know started to learn the details uh, of what was included within the bill. Um, we definitely had um, some you know significant concerns arise. What are the prime concerns? There are, yeah. It's a lengthy bill, a lot of detail, but what are the prime concerns from this So I would say first and foremost, the, the concern um, is is the trade-off that was made to have preemption included. And what that trade-off, I think was was having preemption included, but having a private right of action included as, as an enforcement mechanism. Um, you know, I think the problem with the way that preemption is drafted in the in the three corners bill, um, you know, there are a ton of of major major carve outs, uh, including uh, state consumer protection laws, um, you know, little FTC acts, uh, so to speak, that have their own private rights of action included in them. Oftentimes, uh, it carves out the California private right of action around data breaches. It carves out any laws that has to do with governing employee data. Um, biometric <laughs> data. Um, so there's a ton of carve outs that we Brennan. When you say carve out, you're really saying they would they would let that continue. Exactly. They're not exactly canceling so. it, they're not
0: carving it out. They're really saying that can continue and it will not be preempted by the federal law.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: And so um, it does that would if that continues and that becomes law, that
1: you'd have a mix still of state and federal regulation. Yeah, I I think that we're, you know, some some folks in town are calling it um you know a national uh patchwork framework instead because you know there's there's a ton of holes in in how the preemption uh is currently drafted and i think well that's, uh,
0: that's, that's always if i mean, that's always a uh, part of what Congress argues about, there are those who say, "Leave it to the states; federal government stay out of it." And there are others who say, "Wait a minute, we're one nation; let's get on with this." And, and this is this is what Congress does: it debates these these two great extremes and tries to find something that works. What, from the restaurant industry's uh,
1: standpoint, uh, uh, on this big issue, uh, what would you be satisfied with? I think that you know, in terms of 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 and this is high level, and you know, at the beginning, just high of, the, level. The, the beginning right. of the process, but um, you know, I would right. say for us to, you know, in the, the bill in its current form, um, you know, there's there's a myriad of issues that go you know all the way down throughout the bill. I would say that a private right of action being included is a non starter. Um, it just, just you know, uh, you want the that, FTC to have enforcement, that, that's right, that's right. Okay. Because um, the, the private right of action that was included in, in this bill includes, you know, compensatory damages, injunctive relief, attorney's fees. So they call it limited. But really, from our perspective, it's it's pretty much not and opens the door again to those those uh, big class action suits that we discussed. And maybe now this time you can go to federal court or you can go to state court or both <laughs> It, may, it may, it's part of what you're afraid of. That's 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 exactly right. And I, I think a couple other sort of restaurant. Um, specific concerns we have, you know, we, we really just, we want Congress to know that, that restaurants aren't like other businesses. And so, you know, it goes back to, um, you know, the loyalty program protection language, you know, the way that we read the Three Corners draft right now, um, you know, we, we essentially uh, understand it to, to say that pretextual, pre-contextual consent um, is prohibited. So So what that means is that, you know, restaurants are going to have to get all of the, the, their, their customers that already have, you know, in a sense, opted in to the loyalty program, they're going to have to uh, have them re-opt in. Uh, and, you know, with all sorts of, of terms that um, folks will have to, you know, like uh, agree with and, and read through. And, um, you know, we think that um, the way that the, the loyalty program language right now is, you know, might need some adjustments. And I think the other thing that we touched upon earlier in the podcast was the service provider and uh, third-party obligations that are included in the the three corners draft. If you look at the obligations that serves, service providers or, or data processors have to covered entities um, or controllers in the state laws that are on the books, it's clear that this draft falls way short of those obligations. Um, and you know, we we'd lo- we'd like to see um, you know those those strengthened in a way that um, benefits small businesses who again lack negotiating power in the market. Um, you know to, that that would require um, you know bigger companies to to act um, you know with uh, you know in the interest of consumers, but also to be able to um, you know assist controllers with all of the obligations that they will be um, you know that, well, that have bestowed upon them. Uh, as well.
0: Well, Brennan, let's see how it moves along. Maybe we can get you back if uh, if we get into a conference committee or even a new law. Uh, we'll see where it goes We'll see if Congress can act on this. It seems incapable of acting on many other things, but uh, you never know. And uh, we really appreciate your taking us on this tour today, uh, Brennan. Any final comments uh, on behalf of the National Restaurant Association?
1: No, I think um, you know. Again, I, I would just end with um, we we fully believe that consumers today should be empowered to control their data in in the digital economy, uh, and um, you know, we, and we support federal preemptive you know uh, legislation. Um, so we're, we we stand ready to to work with Congress and and iron out um, you know the the details uh, in this you know particular legislation. Um, to to get you know a, a, a national data privacy framework um, that protects you know consumers and and businesses alike. It may well be
0: that data privacy is truly one of those nonpartisan issues. We all care about privacy. We all care about business, and they can go together. We'll see where it all heads. Well, Brennan, thank you for being with us. And as always, I will remind our listeners: protecting your personal data begins with you.